0: Welcome to the Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner and with me again is our first co-host of the season, coming back for episode 3 together, Miss Sarah Miller. Sarah, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. It's a little hot here in Mexico, I'm not going to lie, but I'm very happy to be here again.
0: Yeah, you went from you're saying from winter to summer in like a snap.
1: I mean, it was literally one day to the next. Like, I don't know what happened. But, yeah, I'm ready to uh, move on up north, head back to California.
0: (laughs) You're like the the geese. (laughs) You're going to keep on going towards the cool, right? Or or the other way. (laughs) I
1: do not even pretend to be tough when it comes to this. Like, I live in a metal box, okay? I do not need to be in hot weather.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Hey, and if you're out there and you happen to have – an RV or van air conditioning unit that you're not using, Sarah Sarah would really appreciate a, a reach out on that. So uh that would be like a lifesaver right now for her in Mexico. So just putting it out there. I don't know where
1: I would put that. Like honestly, uh, there's, there's no room in here, but appreciate it.
0: We'll we'll get it somewhere. We'll figure it out. You know, you need you know at the minimum people can send you those you know, battery operated squirt fans. Those are those are nice and stowable, right?
1: Those they are.
0: They are. The Sea fans. <laughs> well, good. And uh producer Daniel is here in all his bald head and uh deep and sultry voiceness, which must mean that we are recording another episode of the show. So Sarah, you were really the source of the idea for this episode. So why don't you set us up uh, and let's let's uh let's see what we're gonna talk about today.
1: Yeah, uh, since we talked about scuba diver income averages last uh, two episodes ago, right? Episode one, I thought it would be nice to just cover different ways that you can still enjoy the sport, you know, wherever you fall on the income scale, you know, from super lean budget, those of us who live very, um, you know, budget focused lives uh, to like super luxury. Because there is a wide range of ways that we can enjoy the sport.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is a, a, a great idea. Uh, like talking about travel and ways to mm-hmm. die, no matter what your what your wallet says, right? Um, Absolutely, because it is possible. It is something that, and again, like this is the, some of these budgetary things. Um, are, are, can also be temporary, right? So you could be living the high life for a couple of years and then all of a sudden you're back in the budget diving. So it's not a, and it's, you know, money is never an absolute. Uh, and so it's always good to say, okay, one absolute I want in my life is diving. So regardless yeah. of what my bank account says. You
1: make it happen.
0: Exactly. All right, cool. Are you ready to jump into this one? I Podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts Jay Gardner and Sarah Miller. All right, so let's let's set up the show with the this first segment really talking about what are all the options available to you when it comes to scuba travel and, and to scuba diving. In other words, what are the, the things that you can go do to actually get, get in the water and go diving? And we can kind of label these as, you know, more budget friendly or, or cheaper options to an average cost to, hey, look like, you know, you're living the high life. These are more expensive um, trips or things that maybe cost a, a, a lot more. But maybe we could just go through and we'll just list off the different options, define them so that at least we can get a, a feel for what the different options could be. Does that sound good to you?
1: That sounds great.
0: All right. Well, maybe I'll kick one off. Um, so I'm, in, I'm here in Central Texas, uh, like we talked about, I think, in Episode 1. Um, unless you live near the Gulf, which the Gulf is big, but unless you n- live near the Gulf, uh, you really don't have ocean access. So a lot of the diving that we do here in Texas would be considered shore diving. Uh, What shore diving really means is you show up at a dive site or sometimes just the the side of the lake, right? And you are able to enter the water from the shore. Usually this is a lake or a river uh, or something like that or spring here in Texas. And you take all of your gear with you. Sometimes you need to bring everything, you know, your your tanks. You need, they need to be filled because you're in more of a remote area. And sometimes there are actually dive sites or, or operations that are on site at the shore that have tanks perhaps to rent or a fill station or other equipment to rent. So, you don't have to bring it. But, but the important part here is you're getting in from the shore. You're not getting on a boat. You're not getting, you know… Um, on a plane, you're literally showing up somewhere local and you are going into the water from the shore, doing your dives and coming out. The other note here too, is sometimes shore is a little bit deceiving because it it seems like a very nice, uh, you know, flat entry, Uh, at least in Texas. And I know in other places, even in the ocean and things, that's not always the case. So for example, right now, the lake levels are extremely low here in central Texas, Uh, We just have have been in the middle of a drought, I think, for the last three years, which has dropped, I think, the lake level down 41, 43 feet, I think, the last time I saw it from where it normally is. Yeah, 43 feet down. Um, So it's kind of crazy because some of the dive sites that we have here um, that used to be, you know, from the shore straight in the water – over the course of three or four years have turned into from the shore down a few steps from the shore down a flight of steps. And now I think I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. Uh, He, uh, he went and dove a local spot that we call windy point here and he counted the steps. And I think he counted something like uh, 82 steps to get to the water now. So uh, it's a workout, no longer uh, diving doubles there. Uh, I think you're, you're diving singles at that point because it's straight up and down steps and now it's steps like two or three flights of steps plus some other rickety steps to shore, down a rocky embankment Jeez. and then the water so sometimes shore diving is not you know of an easy dive there's other sites that we get into that's a rocky hike down to the water's edge right or up or down or you know rock cut out stairs <laughs> i've been in all of it right but uh, shore diving is is a really uh you know for me it's 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 a really nice way to do your everyday or every week diving and I, I would put this in the uh, in a cheaper category sometimes if you're on a, like a proper dive site that there are entry fees and depending on that site they can you know range in in cost um, but for the most part they're those costs are probably not going to compare to per se like a, like a charter or something like that. So I think it's more in the
1: cheaper budget friendly. Yeah, I definitely put shore diving as my budget option. Like that has been pretty much all I've been doing for the last three years, you know, because again, I am on the budget side of things and, uh, and that's been everything. That's been the main reason why I've been able to get in the water. You know, um, because even with like dive site entrance fees, it's still not anything in comparison with getting on a boat, you know, so it's definitely the, the option. But the thing is that you need to, as a diver, feel confident that you can do that kind of dive with your buddy. You know, a lot of people that just get started, you know, say they do the open water course and they're released to the wild. You know, it's a little bit intimidating to go somewhere, meet up with your buddy and like just go out into the ocean like that. It feels a little bit like, oh, am I supposed to be here? You know, Uh, because you don't have, you know, the security blanket of your instructor who knows everything. Uh, So there there is, you know, that factor to take in into consideration but it's also one of those things that like you learn you may not need to like know the dive site you know you can just go out explore have fun and come up if something goes wrong you just come up you know it's um it's really simple it's it's easy diving
0: yeah and i think another good note on this too is shore diving i think provides some of the best um uh, training or, uh, mm-hmm. opportunity to practice for reading the local environment, right? So reading yes. the underwater too. So if, for example, if you're doing it in the ocean, reading the, you know, the sand is actually going to mm-hmm. tell you where the shore is, right? Or if you're in a yep. lake, um, you're going to notice, you know, the changes, uh, and there's going to be most, most shore diving has some sort of sloped right drop. Most Natural of it isn't references. like a straight yeah, cliff, yeah. right. So, it, it's a really good way to practice your underwater navigation from environmental cues. Mm-hmm. Um, shore diving helps a lot because you're not you're not looking for an upline, you're not looking for, you know, a boat or or following all the other divers that, that you can see. Uh, you are reading the environment, and it's actually kind of cool because, for me at least, I really like shore diving because um, I think we talked about in the last one that that as you descend especially along the shore, those changes in the ecosystem become really apparent, like every 10, 20, 30 feet, whatever it would be where light stops penetrating. It's a mm-hmm. whole different dive than where, you know, at whatever, 20 feet, 30 feet, wherever it is um, in the dive side. So it's a, uh, I love shore diving. It's kind of probably my, my every day or I should say every week diving, but, uh, but really good point. All right. What's, what's another one? What, what else you got?
1: Well, I mean, I was in the business of running day charters <laughs> back in Indonesia when I had my dive shop over there. Uh, that was what we sold. And, you know, it's it's like a moderate price, right? That kind of falls into, uh, you know, you can, if you're on a budget, you could probably swing one or two of these a month, you know, uh, and they're special because you get to go out on a boat and have it be... event right you go somewhere that you would never be able to go from the shore um and you know go with a bunch of people who are super stoked on the day and um just spend the full day out on the water it's it's wonderful and it's also a lot less work you know we're talking about hard shore dive days like some of the hardest dives i've done have been you know going through big waves or um you know, long surface swims. And the nice thing about a boat charter is you get dropped off right at the dive site, you go down, explore the dive site, come back up and you get fed. Like, how much better does it get, you know? <laughs> Hopefully you exactly. get fed. Maybe some, some boats don't provide a lot of food, but, you know.
0: Be a little little nibble, and and I would yeah. add to your budget here, and this is now from experience. Unfortunately, um, whatever the cost of non-drowsy Dramamine is to, to your boat to your boat charter uh, budget, it's not expensive five bucks, whatever. Just out of a joke. Yeah, I have never been boat sick, and in this last trip, I was in um, in the Keys and day one, and um, and I didn't take the Dramamine the night before. I just didn't think about it because I hadn't been sick before. And man, I almost, almost, I liked it. They called it the VIP section, the, the vomiting in progress section. I thought that was, uh, I hadn't heard that one before. I was, oh, good no. but uh, I almost visited the VIP section. I was close, but the rest of the, my first dive, once I got in the water, the first, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, it went away and I felt better. But the minute I came back up to the surface, got back on the rocky boat, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm feeling it again. So it was a, uh, it was one of those things, but yeah, charters are a really um, nice way. And and I will say too, maybe you can give some insight into this, Sarah, because sometimes I hear a lot of divers say, "Well, they're so expensive. Like, does it really cost mm. that much?" And I think like the, the dive <laughs> charter um, businesses are businesses, so they're not they're not a nonprofit, right? Uh, a public service, <laughs> so they do need need to make some money. But I don't think day operators are, uh, are you know, sitting back <laughs> getting rich on running their charter boats. So maybe you can give a little Absolutely bit of a, a view of why charter boats cost what they cost. Because they are a medium or, or average cost. And I hear a lot of complaints that are too expensive or whatever.
1: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of the complaints, though, come from people who have had experience diving in places like Koh Tao, Thailand. And what you have to think about with that business model versus like most other places in the world is that there is such an insane amount of volume in places like that, that they can charge a lot less per diver because they're filling their boats all the time. And their boats are up to, you know, they're crammed full of divers That's what they, that's what people go to those places for. That's what everybody's doing. So, you know, I think that's where a lot of that feeling comes from because they go to a place like that. They're like, well, I only, you know, paid 50 or, you know, 70 bucks to go on a boat trip over here. And it's like, well, that's great. You were on a boat with like 40 other people. Like now you're going on a boat with six other people and we still have to maintain a boat pay captains pay you know um gasoline all the maintenance that goes into it all of the people behind the scenes who are moving equipment around um all of the the fees oh my gosh i can't even tell you like the amount of fees that dive businesses have to pay to you know whatever marine park and um you know government organization it's it's so much just to be able to operate you know um, so there's, there's a lot of cost that goes into it. So even if you're, you know, you're like shocked that say like in California, I think a boat to go out to the channel islands is probably closer to probably closer to $200 to be honest. Um, like imagine, imagine how much it costs to run a dive boat in California. Like (laughs) they're not making a ton of money off of that. Um, that's sort of something that I've spoken about a lot that none of us in the industry are making a ton of money, well, I shouldn't say none. Cause of course there's going to be those outliers, but we're all just really trying to like survive and like make a living, whatever. So yeah, it's, it just depends on the operations and how much things cost because it's not just you and your dive instructor, your, your dive master. Like there's so many people that need to get paid from those trips. There's there's a lot.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And day charters, um, are, are a great way to go diving. Uh, I, uh, I even got one once where it was a day charter that turned into a sunset float because the boat broke down. So we got to enjoy the, uh, enjoy the sunset <laughs> floating out in the ocean for three or four hours um, with no food until the rescue oh boat came Lord. and got us. Uh, and, yeah, so that was, a, you know, an added perk. We didn't pay for it, um, but we got the sunset float uh, for <laughs> that, free. So That
1: is a great attitude, I got to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, we just sat on the bow of the boat and, and watched the sunset. It was beautiful.
1: Oh, my God.
0: All right. So third style or ops, uh, options here, uh, the drive and dive. Um, it's like the driving and diving, yeah. So this one's a little bit uh, similar, I would say to shore diving, except for the fact that you are not kind of driving within an hours of your um, you know, home, that you're actually taking a day trip, driving with your dive team or dive buddies and meeting up somewhere. So for example, here in Austin, you know, we have um, dive sites, obviously, but then there's Houston and there's also Dallas that have some scuba parks, like, for example, the Athens Scuba Park. And so that's a three to four hour drive for us to get there. And we've done that dive where we load everybody up in the truck and load all our gear up and we drive out to that spot. We have a great day diving. We turn around, come back, grab dinner and drive home. Right. So it's kind of the drive and dive um, model where. And I know a lot of people. For example, in um, Maryland, uh, DC area, we talked about um, them being at what five percent of the the total package. Um, they, a lot of them do this style of driving or this style of diving all the time. So it's kind of the same as a, as a day charter, except for it's a, it's a car charter and you can apply the same idea of gas money and maintenance on your car. And of course, whoever spills the Cheetos and the monster in your truck, you know, someone has to get it cleaned up on the way there, but it's a, it's a nice way to dive. I enjoy it a lot when we do those dives, dives, because you get a few hours in a car or in the truck with with your buddies um with your dive team and of course the topic is uh you know diving and all the whatever else and we've even put on at me a you know, podcast so if you're planning on one of these you can pop on this podcast stop it here wait <laughs> and you can pop it on in the next uh dive drive and dive that you do but uh it's a it's a really nice way um, to go diving. And in fact, there are a lot of sites that are probably within a three to four hour day drive for you that you can make it to. Uh, for example, we have a, um, an old missile silo, nuclear missile silo that, you know, the spring water cracked um, the silo and it filled up with water. And so that's about a three and a half hour drive. And you can actually stay overnight there. So it's, it's kind of also campsite diving in some ways, but um, to go diving in that. Or, um, you know, there's lots of those sorts of options. So I enjoy the drive and dive, but it is, you know, shore diving is more like I can get it done in like four hours if I go for a couple of hour long dives. Whereas drive and dive is kind of a full day event, you know, early morning to to, to night because you're, you're taking a, you know, a long drive, adding it to that hole whole thing. So, and you can also drive and dive off of a charter boat as well. So you can combine these things, but I think it's a unique style of, of diving because uh, we've done a lot of that before.
1: Yeah. A lot of people do this, uh, drive and dive. And I know a lot of people who will go and stay at hotels, you know, make it like a, a multi, you know, a weekend long sort of adventure. Of course that ends up adding to cost, making it less you know, accessible to people, which is why I like the next option, which is campsite diving. That is very much what I do as a van dweller. I, you know, I go places and go diving and sleep nearby the dive sites. It's really a lot of fun, actually. Um, and I know quite a few people who are kind of jumping on the ba- bandwagon, if you will. Like, I remember just recently seeing somebody who like built out their Subaru or something to be like their dive, um, their dive vehicle, you know? And a lot of people talk to me about like, Oh man, it must be so nice to have your, your house there, you know, cause you can take a nap in between dives. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. You know? <laughs> um, so there are places like um, this last, what was it last summer I was up in Washington and Uh, What is it called? Saltwater. I want to say Saltwater Creek. I could be getting that totally wrong. uh, But it's at the very northern part of Washington. And the dive site, it's a shore dive, right? But it's right off of the campgrounds there, like saltwater campgrounds or whatever. And it's spectacular, you know. I didn't stay right there at the the grounds, but I can just imagine, you know, staying there, sleeping there, and then doing as many dives as possible. You know, I only did one short dive there and saw a giant Pacific octopus, and it was so cool. The the kelp was insane, you know. Um, the main thing would be dealing with tanks, right? You'd have to either have a compressor with you. Uh, Cause that, that place in particular was quite remote. There wasn't a dive shop nearby. So you would need to have a compressor or just take enough tanks to, you know, do the diving that you want to do. Um, and also if, well, if you're at a campsite, there's probably water that you can use for rinsing and all of that. But if you're at sort of like an informal thing, which is what I do a lot uh, you have to have your own fresh water. Um, I recently did a dive in a spot here in Mexico. And I was really like conserving water at that point, because I was really remote. And um, I rinsed my gear, but I didn't rinse it very well. And the next time I got everything out, it was all like sticking and stuff. So that's, that's something that you have to uh, consider and plan for with campsite diving.
0: Yeah, that that's a that's a good little tip there, for sure. And I think too, there's, um, I've seen a lot of these pop up, that are you can also kind of rent an RV. I think the the one I remember is outdoorsy. There's one that you can kind of like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a uh, Airbnb for RVs, right? Where you go and pick up the RV from somebody who's renting it out for the weekend or whatever, whatever it might be. I think there's like RV Share and Cruise America. There's a few others too. I've heard of that. Um, that do that. So yeah, I mean, and and again, camping is always a uh, there. There are there are levels from like a tent and, you know, uh, not even a stove, a tent and some cans of beans. That's what I used to I used to surf a lot in um, Santa Cruz and this is when I was in high school and we used to drive a little, my buddy's VW van. Literally, it was that, it was yes. that trite in California, but we drive through Gilroy <laughs> over the hills into Santa Cruz. We'd end up at pleasure point and we'd go for the weekend and we had his van, and we literally would throw um, cans of um, what are those, like uh, baked beans, bushes baked beans. And we had cans of uh, <laughs> Spaghettios. <laughs> you remember those? Chef Boyardee Spaghettios. Classic. And uh, that was it. It was, you know, that's what we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We surfed all day and we slept in the van for the weekend. And then at the very end, we saved up enough money to go to this amazing pizza shop called Pleasure Point Pizza. And we would have like a couple of slices of one of their you know super amazing pizza before we drove home, and so that was like a normal weekend for us. Uh, we loved it. So uh, again, there's everything from from that where it's a tent and and some baked beans um, to glamping. Right, is a whole new popular thing where it's a little more like mm-hmm. glamorous camping um, to like you know there and there's there's scales when it comes to RVs as well. I mean, some RVs are like. Better than my house. <laughs> so I mean, it, it depends. Honestly, you
1: know? like, like it's shocking. It's shocking how much people spend on those things. No, I mean it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned that about your surf trips because um, I always joke that like I'm a dirt bag scuba diver because you always hear about like dirt bag rock climbers, right? That's I also like to rock climb, so I I kind of. Hear about that people traveling and sleeping in their cars and like doing all these epic climbs and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I do, you know, but scuba diver. And uh, I find that there, I don't know very many people that do what I'm doing, you know, like every time I say it, they're like, wait, what, you know? <laughs> so if anybody's out there, I'm trying to find my fellow dirtbag scuba divers. Right to me. There you go.
0: Yeah. It's going to be the new Facebook group that pops up. Dirtbag Scuba Divers. Uncensored. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't do yeah, the uncensored. Just a don't, bunch
1: of dirtbags. Don't put bags. it. You'll just yeah. get
0: full of trolls. Don't do it. Don't do it. Whatever you do.
1: Nope. I get enough of those on YouTube. Good. No, thank you.
0: Yeah. So I think the whole drive and dive, campsite diving, all that can also boil into a weekend trip. You know, I think the difference would be whether yeah. you're flying or you're not. Right. And so, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So weekend trips basically can boil into various levels. So it can go from cheap, you know, the cost of gas really, or maybe even chipping in on a tank of gas um, rather than having to pay for your your gas by yourself. If you're California, it's more expensive than if you're in Texas. Right. Um, Or it can Mm -hmm. go all the way to you rent some luxury RV bus and, you know buy a compressor to go (laughs) along with it. Uh, So obviously you could uh, could spend a lot of money doing this kind of diving too, um, but you don't have to, uh, which is the beautiful thing. I I always joke, we have a boat. And I I was going to ask you this actually on the last one. People say that the the two happiest days in a boat owner's life are the day (laughs) you buy it and the day you sell it. Was was that true for you? (laughs) 1,000%.
1: Oh my gosh. Like you can't, oh man i i have told so like i've thrown around or i've been thinking about the idea like just the idea of having another boat one day and i get like a little bit i get that anxiety back in my chest like (laughs) oh god and i was talking to (laughs) i was talking to somebody about that and um they're you know they're uh boat captain and everything it's just like yeah boats traumatize you but you just love it so much that you keep doing it like you keep getting the boat
0: (laughs) yeah i know so i have a boat it's a wakeboard boat that we bought it's a it's a older boat Um, so it was it was our i call it our covid relief plan because we bought it during covid because there's nothing you could really go do but hey a boat is no different than being in your house you know you're not in contact with other people And I could take my girls out and we had a blast, right? So it's a wakeboard boat and, um, we've dove off of it. Um, just, it's not set up for diving. It's set up for family wakeboarding, right. Um, and tubing, but, um, we're about to sell it because we're moving and I I can't say that I'm sad that we're selling it. I'm kind of like, all right, I'm glad, I'm glad (laughs) that it's going to be off the docket. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the whole boat thing is, uh, it, it is a love and hate relationship because, uh, You know, it's amazing when you buy it, you get out there the first time and then maintenance and, you know, all the the work work that
1: goes into it. It's insane. You don't realize it when you go for your first boat purchase, like the amount of work and I didn't even do all the work. I just had to pay for it. So like, (laughs) I can't even imagine if you're, you know, the one actually doing the work too. It's so, it takes so many hours. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No kidding. All right. Good. It's a lot. All right, so I'll take the next one. Um, so we, we boiled into weekend trips. So there is another style of, of diving, which is resort diving. And there are a lot of resorts that specialize, quote-unquote, um, and, and by specialize, usually it means that they have a dive operation on site, right, o- on the, mm-hmm. the resort's site that's working with them. It's not usually owned by the resort. It's an independently owned dive operation um, in most cases I've seen, but it is – on site. So literally you, you know, walk past the pool and there's the, the dive hut or shack. And um, that's where you're doing your diving out of for that week. And then, you know, you come back and it's a resort uh, where, you know, usually, you know, maybe it's an all inclusive thing where all your food and all that is in drinks and all that is put into one, Price, or or there's different styles of resorts, but um, I certainly think that this can be in the maybe more expensive category. There are cheaper resorts, let's say, um, but come on, I mean, it's a resort uh, in, in the long run, it's going to be more of a premium cost, and because of that, the dive operations probably going to be a little more expensive because they're paying up to you know the resort for the renting of the facilities and so on and so forth. So I've done some resort diving. Um, I My only thought here is it, it is hard. The, the thought was, well, if we all go as a family, right, I've got three girls and my wife, we all go together, then they have plenty to do. And come on, it's a resort. They're going to feed you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to cook. You don't have to do anything. And I'll go diving in the mornings and I'll come back by lunch and, you know, we'll have the rest of the day. Um, It doesn't really work that way. (laughs) It's kind of, you know, like you have two different vacations because if you're alone with three kids um, for half the day, um, you're ready to give them up for the other half of the day. (laughs) So it's kind of one of those things where it didn't exactly work out as, you know, as beautifully in my mind as I thought it would, which is worth the premium cost, right, in my mind. Um, So we won't be doing that again. But I've done some resort diving. It is super nice. Um, It is something that it's nice to not have, like, you know, the, the, where are we going to eat tonight? Or what are we going to you know do? And, and that's kind of stuff. And, and then there's also other options where when you're not diving, you know, maybe you're enjoying the pools or the shows or whatever it would be. Um, so it is a, a, a nice, I would say a nice way to dive, but I think it's, if you're going to do that style of diving, it isn't just about the diving, right? It's about the, the total experience of the resort. So diving is a part of it in some ways.
1: Yeah, I I think it's it's great for people that really just want to like not have to make a lot of decisions. You know, maybe you have a really stressful job. You just want to go and chill and have somebody take you diving. Like, and you're willing to pay that that premium for that luxury. I think what you were saying uh, makes a lot of sense. Maybe for people a little bit older. Yeah, a little right? older families. Yeah. Then if Yeah, if you have so many other options for people, like you can be in the same place doing different activities and all come together for meals or whatever. And it's a nice way to sort of meet everyone's needs for a vacation. Um, I briefly ran a a resort operation in Komodo uh, right before the shutdown had rented this island resort with like huts on this private island and like restaurants and seven boats. It was like this huge operation, terrible decision. That was December, 2019. Um, (laughs) so we, yeah, we literally opened for like three weeks and then the shutdown came, um, you know, good stuff. But, uh, that was actually one of those more budget friendly places. So they, they do exist. Right. Um, And the cool thing about some of the spots is that you can actually do like shore diving, you know, and get a lot like some places will even offer really cheap prices for the shore dive. So you can go and do as many as you want and then maybe pay the extra to go on the boat every so often or whatever. Uh, So there is like a bit of flexibility with resort diving as well, depending on where you are in the world, you know. Um, if you happen to be in a place that's a lot more, res- uh, remote, then you need to expect the price increases with that as well.
0: Yeah. And I might lump into this one too. It, it might be its own separate category or it might not. I have not personally done, um, this style of diving, but I know some people that do like a uh, cruise ship diving where like they're, they're on a cruise, which is kind of a floating resort. And then. <laughs> i think the way it works i haven't done it Uh, and i really don't have much interest in it but except for i will say the disney cruise someday i'm gonna go on a disney cruise because i'm a disney fanatic so i gotta see i know i know Uh, i I grew up
1: i don't know 30 minutes
0: from disneyland disneyland (laughs) i have a whole story about it uh, but it's like it was important part it was a safety place for my growing up and if you've listened to season one you know I, i you know Anyways, it was important to me. So I became of a, a huge Disney fanatic. Um not like okay. the movies but the man and and the vision and the things that that have been built up.
1: Gotcha. And
0: um so I, I want to see what the experience would be like, but I know I think the way it works is you're on a cruise ship, you're doing your thing and then there are port calls or or there're stops and then you, someone picks yeah. you up and they take you to a dive operation you go diving and then you have to be back on the boat by the by the call of the horn or whatever, I don't know how it all works. So someone explain this we, to me, right? So yeah, um,
1: we we worked a lot um, with those types of divers in in uh, the Yucatan in Mexico, yeah. and uh, I mean they're great. They're great for people. For the dive professionals, they're a little bit of a shit show, uh, but. You know, people are usually super stoked to be there. They have a wonderful time because they've been, you know, eating and drinking as much as they want. (laughs) So it's like, and and they're usually Americans who are happy to leave big tips. So it's like not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is a little. It's chaotic because of that schedule, right? They get off the boat, but sometimes they'll they'll be late, right? And it's like this big crew you're you're waiting to be able to go out and you might be on a really strict schedule depending on on your operations so it can feel a little bit like um you know cattling you know i i don't know what the word is but just uh, kind of but just like you're you're hitting all the boxes right you're like okay come and you receive them and you take them to the dive shop and you give them all the gear and you throw them on the boat and like go 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 and, uh, you know, it's usually DSDs. They go out and do discover scuba diving. It's their first time ever in the water. So they're all over the place and just mind blown by, you know, every fish that they see. Um, and then, you know, you shuttle them back and then get them, get them on their, uh, you know, on their boat back to the, the cruise ship. And it's just, it's like a really chaotic sort of time um, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those port towns when the cruise ship arrives like I mean it's it's like a swarm of locusts like people just descend on this town and all of the restaurants are full and it's it's a little bit crazy um, but it can it can be I mean it's it's a fun option again for like families that are on a cruise together it's something different to do Uh, It's a really easy sort of half-day experience, you know. Um, I personally wouldn't do that, but I also don't want anything to do with cruise ships. So that's that's a me thing.
0: Sarah's coming on my Disney cruise with me. Look out. I'm going to convince her at some point. (laughs) Because I I have the same feeling. I want nothing to do with them. But then, like, I saw, you know, this documentary on the running of that ship, and I was like, okay, maybe – Maybe that one someday. But I look at it as like a multi-generational trip type thing where it wouldn't be like
1: mm-hmm. just
0: us going. It would be a whole like grandparents and aunts and uncles and everybody. all that thing yeah. where it's super easy for everybody. Um, but we haven't planned it. So obviously I'm not that serious about it. All right, good. You want to take the next one?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say the next one kind of you know, going up into – higher and higher expenses, right, would be the liveaboard. I personally have only gone on one liveaboard. And that was many years ago when I had a, a better paying job. Uh, it was only around Catalina Islands, but um, that's in California. Lovely, lovely trip. Uh, but liveaboards are basically, you kind of think of cruise ship, right? You go, you sleep on the boat, but with a liveaboard, the only point of being there is to dive. Like this is for your diehard. Like I want to be in the water four to five plus times a day. Right. And you're just bam, 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 going out, checking out somewhere different because live aboard, since you're sleeping on them, they get much further out. Right. You get to explore places that aren't accessible to the daily operations. So it's quite exciting, you know, uh, things like I'm hopefully going to be taking a group to Socorro in January 2024. And that is, I mean, it's way off the coast of Baja. And um, so you have to go out on a liveaboard to be able to dive it. And they're more expensive, right? It's all inclusive, you get your your food and drink and everything, not obviously not like alcoholic beverages or anything, but you know, the basics are all included. Um, so if you really like break it down, maybe it's not so crazy, you know, if you're comparing it to like a resort dive trip or whatever. Um, but you know, for those of us divers that, uh, can barely swing the day trips, a liveaboard is, is a little rough to get into the budget.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I haven't personally done a liveaboard either. Uh, I think you said you have done one. I haven't done any. Um, they piqued my interest, but but only uh, you know so much. Um, so it it looks like a beautiful way to dive. I, I think because it is so dive oriented, like that would be my selling point there. Yeah. Like because it's you're in the water four or five times a day. Like yeah, I'm in. Like yeah. So you are you're kind of eating and sleeping on the boat. And you're under the water most of the time, which is sounds perfect, right? Sounds like a great, great trip. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's a a really interesting. And th- I saw a lot at DEMA. There are a lot of operations, a lot of live aboard operations. So I think you also kind of have mm-hmm. your your choice there um, or, of lots of different w- styles of that um, and locations that that's possible.
1: And levels of luxury as well, you know. Um, right now, the the business in Komodo, who are Asul Komodo, who's running off of the boat that I, you know, that we built for Asul Unlimited, uh, they've turned that into a a budget liveaboard where there are mattresses on the top of the sun deck, and so people sleep outside. It's like glamping, you know. Um, all the food is provided, and whatever, but it's like very minimal, right? And then you could go for the ultra liveaboard that is, you know, fancy private cabins and air conditioning and, you know, what have you. Uh, So there's, there are a lot of different options to experience it. Like the one liveaboard that I was able to do um, was really only because it was, I think it was one, one, maybe two nights. So it doesn't have to be like this crazy, you know, week and a half long thing, you know, just because Socorro is doesn't mean that every liveaboard is going to be that long, you know? Um, so there's a lot of flexibility there.
0: Good. And then maybe the, the final, well, there's kind of one more that popped into my brain that maybe maybe we'll cover there too, which, which we could do really quickly, which is there are some opportunities for like aquarium diving, um, or I would say like a large pool diving. So, um, you know, there's a spot in Dubai uh, yeah. that has, you know, mm-hmm. a big deep pool with a bunch of cool like rooms and things in it. Um, I know they're building one or there's talk of building one in Houston. There's also, you know, some aquariums that you can do diving in um, that allow that. Um, like I know, I think in um, Disney World, there's one. And I think maybe there's one in SeaWorld. I don't remember. But there are some aquarium dives. So I mean, those are pretty straightforward. Oh, and there's one um, in Vegas. There's a shark diving in Vegas in the, one of the hotels there, of course. Um, so you know,
1: they have sharks in in an aquarium.
0: Yes, they do. Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't remember the hotel, but they uh, they they do a, a shark dive out of Vegas. So those are, from what I've seen of them, are pretty expensive. Like they're 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 pretty pretty pricey um to go on a single dive and i think most of them require you to use like their gear to maintain like that there's not getting weird stuff in the water from your gear and things um Mm. so uh so that is another option um i would put that in the category of like you know probably pretty i mean if you're already in a place where they're allowing you to dive in their big aquarium you're probably already paying a lot of money and then and then likely the dive itself, I think like the one of them I looked at was like $500 for a 45 minute experience. It was like, sheesh. Wow. Uh, so not in my budget, but, um, and not my style yeah. of diving, but, but it is an option. And for some people, it would be something that they would love to do because it's a very in- controlled environment. Um, you know, there, there's a guarantee that you're going to see the marine life that you want to see, uh, you know, that, that you cannot guarantee in the ocean um, or in a lake. Um, but, you know, you need to think about the the both um, cost and ethical, you know, versions of those things. So, yes. yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. How about that? Um, all right. And then the last style of diving, yeah. <laughs> I can see Sarah chomping at the bit. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not here for that. I don't love that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just,
0: Me
1: yeah, Me no, I, I will never be a fan of that. I'm actually not really big on aquariums or um, zoos for that matter, unless it's like specifically for conservation, you know, um, helping the creatures, you know, Rehabilitate. What's the word? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Rehabilitate and like get back into the, the wild or if they can't, you know what I mean? I, I just can't, I'm not, I'm not here for that. Um, so I think the last kind of, um, you know, tier of our expensive, least to most expensive, uh, dive trips would be like the specialty sort of thing. So I originally thought of like photography workshops. You know, I have friends who are world renowned underwater photographers and they run these spectacular workshops all around the world. So you get to go diving somewhere that's really special, like, you know, Cocos or, um, you know, go and see the dolphins in Bimini or, you know, just these very special places. Yeah. But you're going with someone who has a skill that you really want to learn from, right? So it's kind of like traveling somewhere to take, you know, one of the recreational courses or whatever, but you're going specifically for that knowledge. And I think that's really fun to combine travel with learning, you know, because you're in the water, you're getting to experience something new, but you're also getting exposure to someone who has so much knowledge on something that you care about. Um, I think there's a lot of value to that, but it also comes with a premium because you're getting that person's time and attention. And that's, you know, not just, not everybody can do that. (laughs) You have to pay a premium for that kind of attention. So, um, yeah, I think that would be kind of at the top along with like, you know, hiring someone specific to go diving with, you know, having a private guide and um traveling somewhere with them yeah
0: yeah and i think in that same vein you know it, there's also the the shop trip your local shop plans a trip to so-and-so and that that you are paying for them to handle the the travel coordinate so mm-hmm. it's, it's not you're paying for them necessarily to go diving with them as a expertise and seal on the water but you're hiring the shop to plan your trip and tell you where to be and what to bring type of thing. And I've seen a lot of, I have not taken a shop trip um, and I don't plan to necessarily, but I do know a lot of people that like that because you kind of have a built-in group that you're traveling with, with the shop that's from the same place and all that kind of stuff. So that's another option too.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I've just recently started doing. I'm not a shop, but I'm, you know, a, quote unquote, public figures. I don't know what I am. Uh, but, um, you know, running trips to to Baja, my most recent one was, was to Baja, Mexico. And um, th- that's exactly what I did. Like, these are the, the trips that we're going to be doing. This is when we're hanging out. This is when you have some free time. And, you know, we get to know each other and, and dive together. Uh, and you don't have to worry about anything on your trip, except for like, what food you want to eat, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a nice option for people that don't want to waste their time doing all of the research.
0: Yeah. You, and you know what you should do? Um, just that this idea hit me here. Um, you should do the specialty trip for teaching people how to be a dirtbag scuba diver. So there you go. Like, if you want to learn the skill there we go. <laughs> of how to live out of the, the RV Where to get fills, you go pay Sarah...
1: Can you imagine? Oh my god! <laughs> it'd be
0: great. I mean, I can imagine a bunch of people trying to. You know, it's it is a skill. You're building a skill living in the in the way that you've chosen to live. Right? It's a skill. So, I mean, you got you got to know it's how true. what to do yeah. and uh, and how to do it.
1: See, I so. got to find other dirtbaggers. Yeah, yeah. There you go. you yeah, should that's teach it, them how right to there. how to be it. So,
0: all right, kid. Well, I think that kind of cover. I'm sure we missed a couple of styles of trips, and someone's going to email. You forgot this. You forgot that. I think broadly we've covered most of the, the options that are available to you as a diver. Um, and obviously there are levels within each one of those. I mean, that can be to more expensive or lean less expensive. And, you know, you can do things like Airbnb, or I remember sharing a hotel, a, a Budget, budget, budget hotel. <laughs> like, it was big enough for us, um, only with with three other guys, and um, and that was super interesting. And all of our gear in this itty bitty room, and uh, you know, <laughs> two to a bed type of thing. Uh, so you, you can certainly save save money in different ways. And and you know, we don't need to be uh, telling you how to do that. But I think those are the options that are available to you to to get in the water. And and like we said, they don't have to cost an arm and a leg. They can meet whatever budget that you you have, um, right? If if you've got twenty bucks, you can go diving, right? I mean, that's that's two yeah. tank fills, um, twenty bucks in a gas tank or gas a tank of gas. There we go. Um, go short diving, right? You got two hundred bucks.
1: As long as you have your as long as you have your own gear, yes, right? Yeah, that's We, true. we talked about different places to um, get gear on a budget. I have a YouTube video on it. Um there are places to find those uh you know cheap used still in good condition but used gear uh because the thing that'll really get you especially in like cold water places is the tank not tank the equipment rentals I mean you can drop eighty to a hundred dollars oh, just wow. by not having your own gear. Wow. Oh yeah. It's insane.
0: I didn't know it was that expensive. Because here I think it's like twenty bucks yeah. to rent a kit. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's day.
1: very expensive in California. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think that maybe uh, in a future episode, we could do some of those fun uh, ways that we've gotten gear. Obviously, like I think that the caveat here is um, you need to know what you're looking at. So don't just go budget mm-hmm. shop and buy, you know, an old decor uh, rig from the from the '80s because you got it for twenty bucks. Like you know, I mean, you need to know what you're looking at. You need to know you know the function of that, and I even think you need to know a little bit um, on the maintenance side. You know, to what to look for and, and how to maintain it. Uh, Sarah and I both have experience in that, and so we're comfortable looking at a piece of gear and knowing what we look we're looking at, knowing that we could potentially. Maintain it ourselves, or we know what needs to get done and how much that might cost. So um, there is there is a there is some skill I think to buying used gear, but like Sarah said, there it's not a it, it's not a buy new or nothing. And I think that that's kind of sometimes yeah. we get locked into that. So well, good, um, totally. All right, well we're 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 just rolling here. We could probably turn this into two episodes, to be honest with you, because. <laughs> That was a, that was a really fun listicle of, of different ways to dive, but let's, let's maybe get into, I think there's a lot of people out there right now who, um, are, are planning their year. Like we're, we're seeing this transition from the sleepy winter. I'm not going diving. It's too cold. Um, the water's frozen, um, unless you're a hard, hardcore diver to where, okay, I'm planning my summer trips. I'm planning my, you know, rest of the year. Um, and what do I do? And so I think in, in this next part, we want to talk a little bit about how do we, how do you, Sarah, how do I approach planning scuba travel? Um, and really kind of some of the stuff here is like, what are the timelines that you approach on Is a yearly, monthly, quarterly, you know, daily, how does that work and why? And what are some of the considerations that you're making about scuba travel? I think that this is what people are doing with right now. And based on that whole list of things that we talked about, there's, some planning that goes into each one of those from lots of planning to, you know, a little bit of planning. So let's, let's start to you. Like what, what, how do you approach your planning of your scoop of travel?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a Sagittarius. So spontaneity is really like my bread and butter. I uh, I obviously have some planning involved because I have to drive places, but I usually make really general sort of plans. Like this past summer, I was like, I know I'm going to be up in the Pacific Northwest. I don't really know what it's going to look like, and things always change on the road, so I never make like hard plans anyway. But um, I I love the flexibility. That's part of the one of the other pros for. Shore diving, I can do it whenever I want as long as the conditions are okay, right? Like I might have to time it for, um, for tides or you know conditions or whatever, but like it's very flexible. I'm not limited to a boat schedule, right? Uh, so for my own personal diving, I don't do a ton of planning, uh. You know, I like to go places and just like go into a local dive shop to get my fills and I'll pick the brain of whoever's there. Like, where should I go? What should I see? How's the dive site? What should I expect? That kind of thing. Um, So I really don't make a lot of plans. But that being said, you know, I I've mentioned that I started doing expeditions for my business, and Unlimited. And uh, I'm finding that I am not like most other people. (laughs) People with money have budgets and they figure out where they want to go and they plan their trips. So um, I'm finding that a lot of people who say they want to go diving with me already have their plans for 2024 completely booked. And so they're already looking at 2025. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I need to get my life together to be able to offer trips to these people who actually plan ahead. Uh, So that's kind of been uh, high on my priority list of getting things set and getting more proactive on uh, scheduling things. And it's also kind of necessary anyway for anything that's like really popular, like this trip to Socorro, you know, people book that out well in advance, even after, you know, all of the shutdowns and whatever, like people are getting into that mindset of planning years in advance. So I just got to get my stuff together, you know? (laughs) Um, The other... (laughs) The other things that I look at when like choosing places is, um, you know, weather and season. So like I'm thinking about taking a group to Komodo at some point, And I know because I lived there that you don't want to go in January and February. It's the rainy season. It's crappy. The port can be closed for a week at a time. You know, it's just very unpredictable. And you also like want to either go and know what you're getting into or avoid it completely the high season, right? Because if you're somewhere where it's high season, yes, it might be high season because that's the best weather and that's the best diving. And so you want to just go and do that. But I really enjoy being in places when it's shoulder season because it's not as crowded. It's just a little bit more chill. Um, That's just like my personal preference. Um, But those are things to consider when making your plans.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really, really smart. And and I have to say, I think we both suffer from, I'm not a Sagittarius, but I think we both suffer from the same. I'm, I think I'm the twins. I'm a Gemini. Um, But I,
1: that's why we get along. dude. Oh, is
0: that, is that, I um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how this works, Um, but (laughs) I I am like not a long-term planner. I wish I was, I wish it was a skill I had. Like, and my wife and I, are are both dunces at this, I think, in the long term. Like spring break, we just we just are in it right now. Always catches us off guard. Like, w- oh shoot. <laughs> why are you home? Shouldn't you be at school? Oh, it's spring break. Oh, uh or winter break. Like I, I don't know why we just don't do the whole I are not good at the whole, like, look at the calendar and thinking like there's a rhythm change I think is apparent in some ways where you start to have to organize your life a little bit around or a lot of it actually around school and the, for the rhythm of that. Um, mm-hmm. And we have not made that adjustment. Um, I've always been much more reactionary. Like, Oh, you know what? I saw this thing in Mexico. I'm going to go next week. Is that cool? Like, <laughs> let's go. Like that's I've always been reactionary to, to these things. Yeah. And and that's not, you know, uh, we have friends that are like, Oh yeah, I already have, you know, their, their winter breaks. Um, you know, plans and I'm like, what, what are we doing for Christmas? I don't know. I have no idea what's going to, what, even where we'll be, you know, like all those things. So I, I have found for my diving a a good strategy for me being a a, a dunce when it comes to long-term planning and that is, is this idea of just drafting. I I just like listen to what other buddies of mine are going to go do and be like, Oh yeah, I'll go do that with you. You know, like, Oh, you've got all the plans worked out. Like, can you add one? Like I just, I'm a me too diver. I, and when it comes to planning, it's just like, Oh, you guys are going to go do that. That sounds cool. Like I'll go like, Oh yeah. You want to go like, okay. Can you call and see if they have another spot? Sure. Add me to the list. I'll be there. You know, like, so I found that to be a successful strategy so far of getting in the water of just like drafting off of other people that are good planners um, because I'm not
1: off the work of other people. Yeah, I'm totally, like I, I
0: totally am a, a travel mooch and I, and I, am I I try to contribute while I'm there because, you know, like I'll pick up a dinner (laughs) or something and like, and I'm super grateful. I'm not like a, you know, a jerk about it, but, but I'm also trying to just like, you know, draft off of somebody else's heart. Like I have a really good friend who like, he's already got his entire year and a half booked like Egypt and this trip and that trip. And, and, um, and I'm like, I, I got nothing but respect. But he also doesn't have kids. Right? He also doesn't, doesn't is not constrained There's by that. that. He he, you know, um, is planning his vacation schedule based on his work schedules and other things. And like, so you know, for me, I I, I pick and choose and try to draft where I can. Um, and that seems to work. The only time that I find myself really planning and and locking into the planning is when I'm when I'm pursuing some sort of training. Right, so I want to be trained by this diver, um, in this style, mm-hmm. right, or in what they're doing, and I will bend heaven and hell to try and or heaven and earth is that the saying? I don't know how it works. I guess you don't bend hell, you burn there. That's fine. So there we go. Um, whatever. <laughs> but I'll I'll do whatever it takes to plan those dives and those trips and make it work because I I really you know I think I I really love learning from people that know what they're they're doing, and um and so I I always feel like it's more interesting to me, or maybe I'm more engaged there than like taking a, a selfish, or not a selfish, but just like a, a me trip or a, a group trip type of thing. Um, and I think it also changes when you have kids. I think it's a little bit more difficult because you got to figure out, you know, um, can they come with? And we tried that and it didn't really work. So it's like, okay, I'm leaving. And that means you got the kids for a week. And, um, you know, because my wife doesn't dive and, and really doesn't have interest in diving and that's totally cool, right? Like there's things that, that are hers. There are things that are mine. That's great. Um, but we don't do this together. So therefore it's kind of a mm-hmm. solo trip for me, um, which, you know, for her, then becomes a solo trip for her and back and forth. So how do I approach yeah. the planning a scuba diving? I wait for someone else to plan it. And then I say, Hey, can I come with you guys? <laughs> you got room for one more and and it has, has worked. Um, my considerations really are, are always you know, style of diving, do I want to do it? Have I done it before? Like, I feel like there's so many dive experiences that unless you, I don't know, maybe this is a wrong way to approach it, but unless you're like fully in love with that dive profile, right, what it was in that environment, I feel like it's always good to like try something new, like go, because there's always something new. So I always kind of consider, have I done it before? If I've done it before, is it something I love so much I have to do again, you know, or is it something that, yeah. Hey, let's go see if, if, um, what this experience is like. And in some of them you strike out, right. In some of them, it's not great diving or it's, or it's, you know, not what it was put out to be in the, in the online advertisement. So, um, but I think drafting being reactionary, that's, that's been, unfortunately, my, um, my way of being, maybe that will loosen up, when all three kids are in the same school and on the same schedule and you know, we have, we have family closer by all that stuff. Maybe that will change, but that's been my approach so far. So I don't recommend (laughs) it. I don't, I'm not saying it's right, but I have to be honest. That's what I've, I've been doing for the last couple of years. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap this one, this baby up. So the last piece here is maybe mining your brain and, the little bit of my brain that's left um, is how, what advice or, or what types of tips or tricks do you have to get the most out of a scuba diving budget? So the, you know, there's this term that gets around there. That's, you know, I want to max perform my, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's a very, um, I don't know. I've heard this phrase. It sounds a lot. very
1: dude broish. Yeah. It's
0: a, it's a little bit like that, but, but it's true <laughs> like when i spend a dollar i want to make sure that i'm getting the best value back yeah. for that dollar so it's not necessarily you know saying you need x amount of dollars to go scuba diving but it's saying for the money that you put in for your dive travel what tips or advice or tricks have you used to get the most out of that dollar bill rather than you know just kind of throwing money into the wind because it's scuba diving and and Uh, you know, that, that's just what it takes. I think that that's a good way to look at it.
1: For me, it goes back to that planning. So making sure that if there's something that you want to see, you need to be there in the season that you're going to see it. Right. Um, that's how it works. And then you also have to go into it with a mindset of like, I may see nothing. And that's perfectly fine, you know, because it is nature. And again, I'm not a big aquarium guy. So, you know, the the sharks are going to be there, or they're not. Um, So that I think that kind of goes into it, you talk about mindset. um, But as far as like, choosing operators, or, um, you know, people to go with, like, I really use my gut, You know, I do my research on a company and make sure that they're involved in conservation, uh, that, you know, they're active online, that they um, actually know how to be professional, you know, because a lot of dive shops really don't. A lot of dive professionals don't know how to be professional. Um, Professional, professional, you know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, you want to see how responsive they are you know, and, and really make sure that you're putting, um, you know, there's this term called greenwashing. Um, maybe you're familiar with it. Uh, it basically means, uh, people are putting on a front of being involved in the environment and caring for the environment, you know, being an eco dive shop or whatever, but they're actually not doing anything at all. That's greenwashing. So I like to make sure that I spend my money with companies that are legitimately working, you know, working with uh, Project Aware or GreenFins or you know other companies, uh, nonprofits to help the environment that we all love so much. That's something that's really important to me when I choose operators or people that I wanna I wanna dive with. Um, because that's really the only way that this industry is going to survive is if we take care of the ocean. Um, So that's a big part for me. Um, If somebody wants to go on a dive trip, and you don't have very much experience, I think the best way to do it is to sign up with an organized trip, you know, something that the logistics have been taken care of, and you just get to go make friends and go diving. Like, If you can swing it with your budget, that's the best way because you can learn a lot on those trips, you know, and, um, you may not know what to look for, you know, going back to that first point. So you can, you know, support a company that, you know, is going to make the right decisions for you, you know, um, then as far as like diving in new places, um, you know, just choosing like a, a dive guide, you know, somebody to, to go with, um, you know, cause sometimes it's scary to go somewhere new, right. So you can hire a dive guide or you take a buddy, um, and, and approach it in that way. Um, but I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing for me in approach is that, um, environmental aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a good consideration or great consideration. I mean, and like you said, there, there is a lot of greenwashing, bluewashing, not only in, in the scuba industry, but in general, right. when you talk about our food system and all sorts of other things that are out there. So it's, I think if you approach your diving, you know, if if that's important to you, if you take that same mindset um, into your diving, then it requires a level of of self education to understand what's what. It requires a level of research and asking what might be considered to some uncomfortable questions, um, because where you spend that dollar matters, right? Um, so I, I love that advice. I love that that thought. And uh, and sometimes it's harder to to really see what something is uh, without really getting into it, right? Or 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 um or asking those tough questions. I also think that you know you can you can rely um, on other people that have been there before. So I think um, mm-hmm. you know I'm not saying you know the, read the reviews because God knows reviews can you know can go all <laughs> kinds of ways. But people that you know or or that um, that you know a friend of yours knows so on and so forth, a, a source, a trusted source of information can can let you know what's up. Right? Hey, what was that like? What what did you experience? Um, what was it when they said, you know, that they're reef friendly? What did that mean? Right. What do they do? What do they mm-hmm. say? Um, these are questions that you can ask prior to booking that trip because, yeah, where we spend our money will in, you know, the, the collective sense determine the future of where we're able to spend it later that makes sense. So how we spend it today determines the, the way that we can dive later in terms of whether those, you know, reefs are still there or those dive sites are still there because we haven't destroyed them. So, um, good, good point. Um, a couple of extra ones from me maybe are, you know, I, I think don't, uh, this is advice for me that i'm still learning how to take so this is more advice to myself than it is to others but maybe this is helpful is is don't go too fast like be open to what the travel brings um that's something that, that mm-hmm. oftentimes i like you know once i'm in it i want the plan i want to know you know here's where we're going to be i want to execute the plan and oftentimes that can lead you to missing some opportunities or dives or hey are you willing to go a little farther today and you'll be home a little later but there's this thing that came up you know or um whatever it would be so be open to to what that travel brings i've heard a lot of amazing stories of people that had just say yes to something that maybe is outside of what their plan was or maybe even outside of their comfort zone a bit and it turns into a an amazing experience so just be open when you're traveling I think, um, you know, if you travel for business, here's another little you know tip that I use is I like to try and, um, and figure out, can I go diving anywhere near there, right? So, I'm all already there. You know, my hotel is paid for the majority of the time I'm there. So, is there an opportunity to add on a day, right, and go diving and pay for that hotel myself, right? Or, um, is there a way to move out of the the business hotel and into uh, Airbnb for a couple of days and go diving? like can you you know because because the big chunks of travel for diving are really you know your airfare and your lodging and the then airfare. depending on where you know where you're diving out of it can be expensive. so um, if the airfare is already covered and some of the lodgings covered, can you can you mix those things? like as an entrepreneur, I'm always looking for ways for that to happen. and then I also think like, <laughs> There's there's a similar way to think about too, which is I call them bookend trips, which is, you know, on either end of a of the book, which is training, right? So you book some training and you're going to go do it. On either end of that, go do some fun diving, right? Like book some book some mm-hmm. other, other diving that's around. Then do your training, right? Maybe you take a day off there and then you go and have fun. You know, go diving and utilize the the new skills that you've you've gained. So um, that's a nice bookend trip dive way to plan. Tr- travel and training you're getting a lot for that so for me that the ideal approach has always been a combo It's kind of the mixed bag trips like if i could be driving stop at a dive site and go diving then i end up at the airport somewhere and we fly here and we do this diving and then we're able to bookend some fun dives over here because we took the boat over here and then we come back and on the way home we take another Uh, you know, way back and we're diving another weird site that we've never been to, those would be like an ideal approach to me. And it doesn't have to be a three week event, right? It can be, you know, uh, a week long thing, but you're getting a mix of different types of diving and um, whether it be charters and, or it be shore, or, you know, even throwing some liveaboard, live the high life, you know, whatever it would be. I like that mixed bag (laughs) trip um, you know, approach because it just gives you a lot of different environments to be in. Um, you know, I think the, the seven day reef tours, um, are, are not my, they're awesome. Don't get me wrong, but they wouldn't be my ideal approach. Like I'd want to see different.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's something for everybody. Like that's kind of the the great thing about it. You know, we're not all going to be interested in the same thing.
0: Yep. Exactly. Well, good. get any any last thoughts before we uh, we put the final stamp on this one.
1: No, but I'm like really ready to get in the water. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you baked to an internal temperature of 350 <laughs> degrees at this point? You're like, a,
1: it's hot, but like after all this dive travel, I'm like, man, I want to grab my tanks and go. Yeah, like, let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: I, I am in the same boat. Um, unfortunately, yeah. with the lake levels being so low. What's super interesting is the there's thought that a lot of the zebra mussels have died off, right? because it's forty one feet down. And because of that, which is super interesting, there's a theory out there that you know zebra mussels, they're invasive species. We're going to do a whole environmental episode on them. But one of the benefits they provide uh, amongst all of the nasty things that they do, one of the benefits to divers is they filter water and so right now mm. the the visibility is so bad so what happens is all the sites that have a little bit of visibility are just booked and then the visibility is gone because people kick up the bottom so it's been it's been tough diving here in central texas the last few months um so yeah i i'm ready to get somewhere Yikes. that that i can go diving diving like uh, i'm itching itching right now it's been you know either mud water yeah. or
1: i don't know that that's all very scary like talking about all the changes that has been going on. I mean, climate change, it's real. Uh, you know, I'm working with a nonprofit called reef check and they've been doing a lot of really interesting projects with the kelp forest and the urchin barons. I don't know if you've heard of that mm-hmm. where urchins lose their, their predators. And so they just go buck wild on, on the kelp and they decimate the kelp. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty in- in- insane. And, uh, I don't know. It's just things are things are getting weird. I I'm curious to see how the environment changes these next few years. Yeah,
0: no kidding, no kidding. Stay tuned for all of the episodes we'll be bringing. Yeah. To you. On the
1: talk table. This was really positive. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's
0: why we laugh it off. Yeah, yeah, we're
1: all gonna be fine. Yeah, it's all we're it's all fine. fine.
0: Prepper, I, I literally read out. You know, we're in the process of buying a house, right? So we let we i read a description of a house that was like this is the place to wait out the apocalypse and i'm like are you it's seriously on zillow <laughs> the, the description of it's just like where you can be self-sustaining and blah, blah blah i was like so i sent it to you know <gasps> oh my, the, my realtor and a bunch of other people just like i i is this real or is this like a joke and like, it's so funny so was, uh, you know some people are are farther ah, ahead of uh, you and I in their preparations for that. So we'll put it that way. Jesus. Well, good. Well, today we've, uh, we focused on different forms of dive travel from budget diving uh, to the luxurious life of a liveaboard. Um, so if you know, I hope you enjoyed the episode, you know, we're trying to kind of give you a, a good view and some ways that we navigate all the travel that's out there. But we'd love to hear your thoughts. How do you approach your dive travel? What are some tricks or, or tips that you picked up along the way that, that Sarah and I could use. Um, and where are you headed this year for your diving? For you planners out there, um, you'll be able to answer that question uh, succinctly and probably be able to say, and here's where I'm going in 2024, and here's where I'm going in 2025. So uh, maybe if you're a planner out there and, and could lend your skills to Sarah and I, that would be awesome. So we want to hear from you. Shoot us an email. Um, that's uh, j at divetable.com Um, or reach out to Sarah at AzulUnlimited.com, and we want to hear from you for sure.
1: Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode and want to be a part of this growing community, you can join us by subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, make sure you get notified so you don't miss any new episodes. I think that's
0: it. Awesome. Any any last last thoughts? I swear to God, I I, I just jumped. A skunk just came through my front yard. I, I was like, "Whoa, what is that?" And a skunk just walked through. So, uh, I'm gonna have to go check that out. Ooh. So, for all you all you yeah. uh, listeners, maybe in the next episode, I'll let you know how my skunk hunting went. Uh, it freaked me oh, out though. Gosh. Like, oh.
1: Keep your dog away. Exactly. Keep your dog away.
0: the the dog inside. Oh,
1: man. All right. Good talking to you,
0: man. Good talking to you. Thank you for joining us out there today, and we look forward to having you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at
1: www.fishtivesurf.com.